welcome to the Press Play on Tape, episode 31. I'm your host, Aaron, and joining me tonight are my fellow hosts, Damien and Tony. How are you, gents? Oh, really good. G'day, yes, I'm, I'm doing well. And look, I'm really glad that you've decided to, um, to record a podcast when I'm actually in the country um, and not on holiday. <laughs> this is, yeah, this is true, or, or dying a man flu. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It was pretty bad. It was touch and go there for a while, but um, I'm I'm all good now. I'm hundred hundred and ten percent raring to go. Excellent, excellent. It's uh, it's good to have you back. It's uh, been a bit of a lonely, bit of a lonely one without about the three of us here. So no, man, it's good. So well, we might as well dive dive into things. I mean, but given it's been a little while since you've you've been been on the show, Damo, although it's only been what maybe three episodes. Two episodes, three um, episodes, but it's probably more like six months. Yeah, we've been we've been a little while. It's uh, hiatus is a good for the soul, I think. Mm, mm. Uh, so, but I suppose tell me, what have you been up to? Like, what what new things have you got yourself or managed to find? Um, well, look, I tell you what. Ever since the great floods of Hobart, things really haven't been the same for me, as as you know, because you've been here to my house. Um, mm. So. For those who don't know, oh, how long ago was it? A couple of months ago? Uh, About we six weeks. Six weeks ago, yes. We had record rainfalls in Hobart. And unfortunately, um, my property um, got affected by that. Um, now, the good news is is that um, no games or gaming equipment uh, was damaged during that time. Um, however, that was thanks to brave efforts from myself during the night from bailing out water up until 5.30 in the morning. Um, so the last, yeah, six weeks, um, all of uh, the games room is spread throughout kitchens and spare rooms and <laughs> everything, yes. waiting for oh. carpets to be replaced and builders to come in. Um, so that's been my focus for a while. Um, but before then, I've been a little bit quiet on the... Um, on the games front, um, but I did get myself a Commodore 64 Mini when they came out. Um, and I know we're not talking about the C64 Mini this episode, but you know what? I think it's actually uh, pretty good. Sure, yeah. it's not the same as using a real Commodore 64, but as someone who is a purist as much as uh, as I am, um, I actually quite enjoy uh, playing it on the big screen. Oh, well, yeah. I'll, att- I'll attest to the purist front. Um did you find game mode on your TV? Um, actually, my <laughs> unlike people who can't find it, uh, my TV finds it for me myself. It actually automatically does it. Hi, Daz. Um, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, sorry, we weren't naming names, were we? Um, no. And I was going to say, and I got one as well. So, um, and uh, I've been quite enjoying it as well. So, I got it with a fairly open mind. Uh, I do find. Using it on the really big TVs a bit much though. That's all. Okay. How's the uh, the upscaling and stuff work? Like how how does the emulation handle the screen bit? I actually think it looks pretty neat. I'm sure if you really wanted to, you could sit down and you could pick it to shreds. But um, actually, I think it looks pretty good. I actually was really impressed with how it looked. And apart from a couple of minor emulation issues like some uh, for example I was playing Impossible Mission and one of the screens had a little bit of corruption on it Um, it, it's actually it's actually really good and what I will say is for releases like this unless they are totally rubbish 
I will always support them and always buy them because I want this sort of stuff to keep happening. You mean un- unlike a, a certain other three-letter thing that we won't mention or the uh, the Spectrum Vega that is still, I think, to this day, no no one's ever seen one. So three-letter yeah. thing. You're not talking. You're not talking. What are you talking about with the three-letter thing? The A thing that starts with A that's a shambling corpse of what it used to be mm. that we won't talk about on this show? Okay. I've lost <laughs> you. I've lost you, haven't I? That's all right. Two three-letter words? No. Uh, the, the system is three letters, but the and the name of the company is four. Five. Oh, five. God, I can't even count. <laughs> wow. How many scotches have you had? Not, a, not enough. Let, let's move on. This is going yes. nowhere. <laughs> That's all right. Ah, cool. Cool. Um, Biff, I, I know, and it's also a downside cheaper to get a Mini than it would be to go and get yourself a um, C64 Ultimate from um, Gideon. As while the, I mean, that's a chalk and cheese comparison because of what they can do. Absolutely. You know, it's still, they're, I think, they're for... They're different markets. Oh, absolutely. Um, I personally would prefer to go the, the ultimate path, but that's me. Um, but oh, even absolutely. there, I still I still struggle to sort of really want to throw that sort of money at a system at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I say that, you know, I say this as I sit here and look at my uh, my new AES, but again, won't talk about that. Um, <laughs> but nah, cool. Oh, it's good. So what about yourself, Tony? Is there anything else you crossed your path in the last few weeks since we caught up last? Um, I'm just trying to think. Oh, well, I did have something interesting show up on, uh, well, I think it was on Monday, so only the last couple of days ago, and it is very much retro computer. Um, so back um, when I was first growing up on computers and they were starting to come out, a number of the magazines had kit computers. So there was mm. an Australian personal computer article that went over three issues and you could build up a thing called the Super 80 the yep. uh, micro B when it first came out was a, a you know a kit to order and even the the ZX80 was a kit to order. So I've always wanted to build build a computer, um, and there is this kit from a place called Gigatron, um, and it's basically an eight bit computer that you build yourself. It doesn't have a CPU. It is only made with uh, logic components. Okay, and it, and it actually comes in a nice, and it comes with a nice wooden case you can put it in with a, a clear perspex top, um, mm-hmm. really really good quality printed circuit board, um, and all of the components to assemble it. Oh, neat! Yeah, I saw the pictures earlier on your post of that. That looked actually pretty fancy. But, um, and because... um, yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward to. Obviously, only got it the other day, so um, I haven't had a chance to do other, anything other than read the manual. <laughs> Ah, nice. So what, what operating system or what does it actually run to do stuff? Like, what uh, it is it based on? It doesn't run an operating system, so it runs, um, um, yeah, basically it has its own uh, command language that it uses. So okay. I haven't, it... I haven't look, really looked into the programming side of things as yet. Ah, fair enough. I mean, because I know you guys saw it comes with a joypad? Uh, yes, it comes with like a family. A Famicom top look uh, like a, looks like an original Famicom joypad, um, mm-hmm. and it hooks up over a um, almost like an Atari type plug though. Okay, oh, that's neat. That's neat. So I wonder, I wonder if it's similar to the. Uh, oh wow, I've gone blank. There's that uh, web-based like 
programming-esque thing that people make like 8-bit slash like Game Boy looking games in, um, whether it's something similar to, well, to that. Well, it, it might be that in the back of the manual, it actually has the source code for a simulator of the whole computer. Oh, oh neat. Oh, wow. Oh, well, I'll check out. I'll have to grab grab the link and pop that in the show notes if anyone else is keen. Yeah. So. It was just yeah, it was just something that really took my fancy, and I went, oh, you know, and especially with a recent bent of being more into electronics with all of these mm-hmm. arcade things we've gotten into lately. Um, <laughs> true that. You know, more electronics is not going to hurt. <laughs> uh, this is true. Looking forward to you porting one of your games over to it, Tony. It'll be interesting to see how it goes. Apparently, if you run it at full full resolution that it can do, you don't have time to do anything else. <laughs> oh, really? No. <laughs> Ouch. But oh. but you but it's a fully programmable display type output, so you can mm-hmm. you can go really colourful and whatever. So, um, be a, an interesting thing to program, I think. Ah, cool. I'll look to see how that turns out. It's fancy. Tub. Yeah, but I mean, myself, I. Apart from some console-related stuff, which, again, not going to go into, but I'm very happy to have one of my Holy Grails, finally. Um, but no, I uh, I know myself, I've finally got around to getting myself a um, MSX flashcard that actually turned up today. The I'm looking forward to getting getting into once my MSX2 gets here. Because um, I know I've been keen to go and play, have a crack at playing Metal Gear 2 and a couple of the other... Yeah, ex- exclusive games that were not on other systems. Well, and that reminds me, I did, I did a gameplay of Hino Tori Firebird the other day, and mm-hmm. I got sent the um, link to a fully translated version of that. So, hit me up for that. Sure. You'll definitely want to play that one. Oh no, absolutely. So, and um, actually, thanks again too for um, Keith, um, who we, was on the show last month, is actually donating me an MSX two to sort of help help me out there. So. Very, very excited for when that, that rocks up any day now. So, um, yeah, keep an eye out. But, um, yeah, because beyond that, um, what else? Were, well, I did get my uh, my Specky, my Specky um, MMC card, which I disgracefully haven't had a chance to actually use yet, um, mostly because my AES rocked up the day after. So, oops. But, yeah, beyond that, I've I've actually been pretty quiet as well. The, the whole not having a job at the moment kind of puts a dampener on hunting out too many new other new things in a hurry but um yeah but that's cool well we might as well move move right along so tonight thought we would have a shift focus a little bit again and this time to just hone in on a single a single topic and the topic which uh damien was so was so kind to suggest um is commodore amiga driving games yay Yay! Because <laughs> it's um, oh, yeah, it's a bit specific, but there's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot to be had there. I mean, the system was home to something like 180 plus different driving games over its sort of lifespan. So yeah, there's a lot of genres and a lot of stuff that you yeah you could get access to. Which yeah, in a lot of cases there were it, it presented a lot of opportunities to for games or programmers to do stuff that you couldn't really do on the, the C64 or Specky. Uh, like, I mean, some of the more simulator or the really heavy, you know, in-depth type stuff. So, yeah, it's th- there's a lot to be had there. And, I mean, obviously as well, like, you know, it gave us a lot, a lot closer to arcade-style racing games. Um, but, yeah, Damo, I mean, what, what, what drove you to sort of go down this path for this episode? <laughs> well, look, I just thought it would be something interesting to talk about. Um, and, look... Um, 
the kind of games that that I'd like to talk about are games that um, everybody has probably heard of. So there's no kind of secret driving game that I'm going to talk about that um, people are going, oh, never heard of that, but must check that out. But I, I just really, with some of the time I spent on these games, I just thought it would be fun to talk about them. Oh, look, you're not wrong. I mean, no, no, we've had the the Amiga Knights, or singular in my case, um, <laughs> that I've been to. But um, yeah, where we've yeah we had had Lotus hooked up and we're just having that multi you know multiplayer across you know four players stuff, which is things that you couldn't really do on on older on some of the older systems. So yeah, you you definitely are right there. Um, yeah, but it definitely expanded the um, you know what could could was possible in a racing game, and they really started to you know expand out into towards mm. true simulation and but also putting those other game elements that made it made them a lot more detailed and arcade like. Oh, absolutely. The I mean when you if you look back like, you know, the the genres, I mean, without going super in depth, I mean, you know, when you start out with like, you know, your, your Atari twenty six hundreds and the early sort of some of the early Vic twenty and Commodore sixty four or Specky stuff where they were very arcade a lot of them were, were, were tended to be that arcade, you know, behind the car either simplistic like um, Night Driver or sort of Sega Turbo inspired type stuff or the the top down like Super Sprint and things. But, you know, there was still the odd simulator like uh, Revs is probably the biggest one I know in my mind that stands out as sort of, you know, being this thing where it was, it was an F1 simulator as opposed to just being a straight arcade racer. Um, but yeah, definitely as, as time went on, like, you know, with the, when the MIGI came out, you know, we started to suddenly get, better looking games, you know, things that looked closer to the arcade. And then, you know, with the advent of some of the, the Sims and things like that, that EA and other game companies bought out that, yeah, we, you really did see this big expansion in what was actually possible on these systems. And obviously, yeah, there was stuff over on the IBM PC too, but that's yeah, another day. Meh. Right, Damien? Meh. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, but I know we're talking about Amiga, but when we're talking about um, uh, sort of simulator type games, one game I spent a lot of time on on the Commodore 64 was Grand Prix Circuit by uh, Accolade. And mm-hmm. arguably, I would say that I think it's better than the Amiga version, but I just thought I'd throw that in there. Okay. Faster, well, you did- better, like, what? I don't know. I mean, that's it's a it's a fair one. Cause, I mean, that was it was often it was often the case where the you know us us eight bit owners got to get a bit snarky and a bit snow. Hey, hey, we're we're better than you over some of our um sixteen bit owning friends. But what what was what was it about that? Because I remember it was a pretty good game as well on the Amiga. Yeah, look, I just felt that the way it handled on the Amiga. I, um, was not quite as tight as it was on the Commodore 64. I, I found that um, when I went from the 64 to actually playing the Amiga version, I had a lot of trouble with cornering um, mm-hmm. and sort of getting the kind of good drive line um, sort of up the track. And it just it felt like it pushed the Commodore 64. But it felt to me like it was just a, a good Amiga game, but didn't sort of push it in the same way that it pushed the Commodore 64. Uh, and, and probably because I actually played the Commodore 64 version for a long time before I actually had a go on the Amiga one. So that, that probably had something to do with it as well. But I was hoping for um, a step up, if you know what mm-hmm. I mean. Um, yep. And I found it. I wouldn't say I was disappointed, but I thought, you know what, I want to go back to playing the Commodore 64 version of it. 
Um, yeah. And a lot of that probably comes down to that transition period when, you know, the 16-bits were new. They had all this power, mm. but mm. they also had high-resolution screens and, yes. um, you know, a completely different way of drawing objects and things like that. So it took the programmers quite a while and a longer while than it did mm. for them to understand and push the Commodore 64 hardware. Mm. Um, and, you know, the Commodore 64 version, obviously lower resolution, um, and probably could be more responsive, whereas they probably tried to make the Amiga one look pretty over speed. Mm. Yep. Yeah. And that's funny. I think that was a pretty that was a pretty common sort of thing where we, for a lot of us, were the, that first introduction to all looks and nothing else. Mm. Um, and uh, I think that early stage of the 16 bits, there are a lot of games that have all these looks and sounds but the controls and the handling and the games, and not just driving games and other games, is just not right. Yep. Uh, look, yeah. there, there was definitely a few I played in sort of preparation for the, for the episode that, yeah, there, there was that. I mean, you know, for, for every sort of Lotus 3, you know, you have a, a Crazy Cars 2 or some of the other F1 games where <laughs> it, feel, it feels like they, 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 run, they run at maybe 12 to 15 frames a second and... It's it's really difficult to do anything consistently. Um, I know I found it might be controversial. I don't know. Um, like I found Test Drive Two was a good example of like I struggle to play it on the Amiga uh, mm. because it's just there is just that uh, it's almost the, the latency maybe is the right word that where you mm. steer and it's you don't get as much like yeah it's it lurches sort of from frame to frame as opposed to sort of being a much smoother affair, like, oh, look, insert whatever, you know, be it Lotus 3, be it Zoom, things like that where they, they had a much higher frame rate and they are a lot more playable, which I think for driving games, it's that that is paramount. It's a platformer. It doesn't matter if there's, you know, only a couple of frames of animation and it maybe looks a little jerky. As long as it's still fairly tight, it's playable and it can be fun. But a driving game... You don't want that because you suddenly you're going to oversteer. You're going to struggle to, to get around corners. So, yeah. yeah. What I find with Test Drive is that, and look, and in no way am I saying it's a bad game because I actually oh, no, um, no, no. quite enjoyed it myself. But the, I think when I think back to back in the day, seeing it both like screenshots in magazines on the Commodore 64 and the Amiga and then mm -hmm. actually seeing those in person, there was a couple of things that come to mind. One of those is, especially on the Amiga, you had those like almost like digitized graphics, pictures of the oh, cars. Yeah. And also at that time, and probably because I was in my teens um, at the time, was that anyone like you felt like you would never own or drive a bmw or a porsche or a lamborghini or a ferrari and that's still oh, the no. case now i've never driven any of those cars um but it's almost like this fantasy like um yep. even though yes driving um a ferrari on a commodore 64 or an amiga is not anywhere near like doing it as a real thing but you just kind of transported yourself there and mm -hmm. I think that I don't know whether you call them test drive coloured goggles or, or whatever, but it didn't matter that it was a little bit jerky. It didn't matter that there were, you know, um, 
didn't sort of handle so well or that, you know, you'd fall off the edge of the cliff far yep. easier than you felt <laughs> you should have. But you were driving something that had the dashboard of the actual car in front of you on a screen and that, that was enough. Mm. Well, that was yeah. that was the big thing about test drive at the time was, you know, mm. you know, the simulation um aspect of it of yeah, well, simulating yeah. the exp- simulating the experience if you mm, know what that's right that's right even like the little leather gear knob that comes up in the corner of the screen when you change gears yep. you know it's just a nice little touches like that um which sort of gave it a finesse that wasn't necessarily matched in my opinion to what was actually happening in the game itself Mm-hmm. Look, the I think that's the thing. It's probably probably worth. I mean, having a psych side step on that. That accolade themselves were, I think that that was their thing for the longest time back then. Like the mm. simulators or the games they put out, like they they did have that detail that the you know the Ferrari dashboard looked like what yeah what you'd seen in a magazine or it just yeah mm-hmm. and even the 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 graphics like yeah when they pull up at the service station at the end of a end of a level like you'd get that shot where you'd be you're like wow that that's that's gorgeous like oh well, I'll tell you what I also love um mm-hmm. is the the accolade presents that the speech they had and when they had that uh, female voice saying grand prix circuit mm-hmm. oh my god that was I still find that quite amazing it's just it's just Really, once you heard that, you thought, you know what? I'm in for a treat now. This mm-hmm. is this is this is the real deal. This is, I mean, like like the old sort of EA Sports um, flyer from back again, back in the day, where if you heard that, you knew that it was it was something good. Mm. Maybe maybe not so much anymore. But again, that's <laughs> another another topic. Um, but yeah, no, look, you're definitely right. Um, but yeah, I mean, Accolade were definitely not the only ones that were doing doing those sort of games. I mean, you had well, Electronic Arts probably actually a good segue. I mean, Indie mm. Indie. I know for me, Indie Five Hundred was mm. was definitely definitely one that I played it heavily on the PC. Was where I mm. sort of first explored it because um, Papyrus was the developer that did them and the NASCAR game as well. Um, and while I never understood the simulation side of things they were still really fun racing games to play at just the, the easy level and mm. i know indy 500 on the amiga especially plays phenomenally well oh look absolutely when i f- i actually first read about it in computer and video games magazine and it, it, i'm pretty sure they gave it a really high rating and i thought okay this this looks pretty good um and when i actually played it for the first time um, it's just so smooth. It it really it really was. And even though it's like one track, just going round and around <laughs> that that one track, and, mm-hmm. and 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 I'm the same in terms of like the difficulty. I I I struggle like changing gears on most games. <laughs> um, and you know what what I always try and do is just basically go full tilt and <laughs> take my the accelerator off a little bit to go around corners. So when you sort of play these more simulator games, especially on the harder levels, um, you do that and you basically lose it on the first corner. Um, Mm. So I'm not really into that kind of, you know, having to learn all the corners and all that. I just like to get in there and have fun getting around the course. And that was, you know, and doing that smoothly (laughs) makes, makes a big difference. But, you know, I understand that with the Indy 500, it's it's got um, oh, it's it's 
it's got like a championship mode for memory. Yeah. You can yeah, run, yeah. so pretty much it has, while it's only, like I said, the, the one track, which is we go left and we go left again <laughs> and we go left again. Um, and for a surprise, there's another left. Um, but, yeah, you yeah. can do like 10 or up to 200 laps, which is, mm-hmm. you know, pretty hardcore. And, you, you know, qualifying, you can set the tires, you can fiddle with the drag and other stuff. Like it was it was pretty hardcore. Um, yeah, which, and, and it was one of the first ones to do all of that in one game, I think. So. Yeah. Yeah, you'd be pretty close. Like it was, yeah, they, they focused. But, I mean, again, Papyrus did a lot of games like that where they were, at the time, that was the benchmark, you know. I mean, uh, Grand, you know, the Grand Prix games, like, I mean, Revs is probably, you know, again, going way back. Um, but, yeah, some of the, the Grand Prix games, I mean, did, did have – things to an extent but i don't know again listeners correct me if i'm wrong but to me yeah indie did feel like it was probably one of the first that was really sort of yeah they had that tighter simulator feel Mm, yeah no it really it really was the first game that that i ever played on an amiga that i thought this is this is the most simulator feel however at the same time still quite playable for me uh, and and just the smoothness though, it's just like wow, this is this really is showing the power of the sixteen bit machine. That's that's what I thought back then. Mm. Mm. Just a pity, just a pity, didn't have more actual courses. So yeah, well, well I, I think that um, uh, when we get into um, what was it, Jeff Crammon's Microprose Grand Prix, oh, yes. I think did did have four courses. I think I I never actually four played tracks. it. Yeah, so, again. I, I, I played Shun. it a little bit. Yeah, I played it a little bit. Not as much as I did um, Jeff Crammon's other game, Stunt Car Racer, which we can talk more about later. Um, oh, but, yeah. Yeah, I think um, um, I'm just referring to my um, notes here. Um, did I did I actually look at it? Because I looked at a whole bunch of games for tonight just to reacquaint myself. I... Yeah, I, as I said, I think a lot of them blurred together for me. I played far too many over the weekend, and that while sort of again looking into, yeah, what was, yeah, to see what was being done. But yeah, I'm not, not actually sure which one he did. And again, people, please, listeners, please feel free to, to correct or sort of bring up, you know, what ones we're missing there. But um, so he did have it was was it World Circuit. Or Formula One Grand Prix, depending on where you were, was the first one, which I think is what you're thinking of. Um, so it actually had 16 circuits, but that came out the year, that actually came out the year after um, Indy 500. Right. Okay. Uh, mm. So it, it also had similar things like weather and other fun fun bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could fiddle with downforce and that. So, but yeah, again, I'll be honest, I. I never played it. Um, I remember well, playing. I haven't played that specific one, but I've played, I mean, Formula One type games are a genre I've always quite liked, if you know what I mean. So mm-hmm. I might have to give that one a visit after. Oh, look, it's, it's and not, not to me, yeah, you know, let's be fair too, it's a um, Jeff Crammon game. So, you know, the fact that he's mm. pretty much synonymous with racing games from day dot. So, you know. Well, it's not only just that; it's just 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 the quality, um, the physics in 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 his games are absolutely amazing. Like when I look back at them now, I think just the 
just the maths behind this to oh, get yeah. the the feel and the physics just right just freaks me out. Yeah, I um, I felt like I again, I wish I had something to sort of you know pull the quote from, but I do remember reading some stuff talking about how how he programmed um one of the early F one games that it was you know all written in a way that it worked and still ran incredibly well on newer newer um, IBM machines as sort of time went on. You know, you, you could still play it without it being like ridiculously quick. Um, mm. But it was still just, I mean, I know I played one of them with a friend a long time back. Again, it was just, hey, let's play it like an arcade game. But uh, no, the man was a legend, is a legend. Mm. 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 Um, Very much so. Uh, but I mean, look, that's, I mean, that's the simulator side of things. I mean, you know, it's, I mean, the Amiga, though, was home to you know, quite a few different genres. And one thing that was probably good was that all of them had their, you know, amazing games. Uh, I mean, you know, the simulator, in-car simulator stuff like Test Drive and Indy and um, F1 and that were, were definitely big. But, I mean, if you shift across, you had some of the, you know, it was where we started to see some of the, like, the top-down, some of the more popular top-down titles, like, I mean, Micro Machines started out yeah. on the on the Amiga and that's again alongside games like supercars um turbo uh, not turbo sorry nitro is another one um yep um there was also a game called hot rod I don't know did you ever play that I think it was a conversion of a Sega um game that was actually possibly up to eight players in the arcade maybe I, I actually quite enjoyed that on the Amiga as well I don't think I know that one hmm I'll have to check it out. Another one to have another one to have a look at the the big pile, but um, but yeah. there they were. And I think the interesting thing there was that the Amiga did allow up to in some cases to have three, three or more players to actually play on the on the one screen, which mm. again for its time was was almost unheard of. Um, I know like Supercar is a lot is a lot of fun to play with friends. Um, and Nitro. Yeah, Nitro, which is the another top-down sort of post-apocalyptic-y type thing that has mm. characters that look suspectively like you know, Clint Eastwood and people like that. But yeah, that's that's a real thing. I think that a lot of games um, in in those Amiga days they had that real Amiga feel to the to the characters. Like they didn't mm. all look the same, but they kind of um, felt the same in spirit. If that makes any sense. Um, you'd always have ridiculous characters like, you know, someone looks like Clint Eastwood, but then there'd be like a ninja and then you'd have like a, um, a, a female prison guard type character or someone like, you know, from clearly from the future, yep. um, you know, st- straight from the set of Blade Runner or something like that. So it was a real kind of similar mix in a lot of games. Yeah, but um, I mean, Tony, was there any any of the top down races like that? Like, you know, the sprint. I suppose, the, and they're all very heavily like sprint and super sprint inspired. Well, like, that's well, I was where gonna, that I was going to say the um, uh, super skid marks. Ah, that's, yes, yes. That's 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 quite a good fun, you know, one. And they um, they actually came out for the AGA chipset too. So, mm. did that start its life as a as like a public domain game? And then they kind of morphed into like a, a retail game. Um, yeah, well, it's um, obviously from back in the day. Uh, didn't buy a lot of games. Uh, <laughs> yeah. so it was a little hard to. Um, um, you know, it says license was commercial, so. Yeah, no, um, I know they eventually did sell it, but I, I've I've swear that I downloaded it. Well, not downloaded it. Got it from a 
cover disc or I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking of something else. Well, it could be. That might be how I played it myself. So, mm. oh, there was skid marks and then there was super skid marks. Uh, was maybe it was skid marks. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I reckon the earlier one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Another, another top-down racer. Um, uh, I mean, obviously you've got like the likes of um, Ivan Stewart's off-road racing. Oh yes, yeah, we can definitely talk yeah. about that all day long. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that's that's fantastic. But another game. Um, oh, what's it called? Indie Heat. Crickets. Crickets. No. Oh, what? I can't believe it. I can't believe you haven't played no, it. I haven't, I haven't heard of that one either. <laughs> no, check it out. Check it out. Um, was that a... Hang on. Um, was that a behind, behind sort of outrun style racer or was that a top-down? No, it was a, it was a top-down racer. Okay. Yeah. It was, um, was kind of like Super Sprint, sort of like four cars on screen at once. And yep. you can like up uh, between levels, you can upgrade cars like, you know, new engine, tires, turbos, etc. Um, and it has like um, turbos sort of like, you know, in Ivan Stewart's uh, racing, mm-hmm. you like, you know, can ex- use your nitro to, yep. to like, yep. get a speed boost. You could do a, a, a similar thing in, in, in Indy Heat for memory. Um, but I think you had like uh, limited fuel. So if you did it too much, you'd run out of fuel, I think. But you could actually. In, in, in the game itself, you could actually go into a pit as well, even though it's a top-down race. So you had like a, a pit in to get like uh, turbo mm-hmm. uh, and stuff like that. Yeah, it's um, the track sort of started out simple um, and actually they got a lot more sort of twisty and, and turvy as it goes through. Uh, so that was – I actually quite like that as well. I actually um, – because I could only sort of get a few screens into it, I used to enjoy just like sticking on the cheat mode and just playing all the <laughs> way through because it was just so much fun. Okay, yeah, I yeah. Uh, I'm draw I'm actually drawing blanks. It's doesn't yeah, even, can't even say it sounds familiar. Yeah, I've looked him up. It looks pretty good. It looks like it had pretty detailed, you know, like cityscape sort of um, uh, things that you raced around, but in the super sprint style. Yeah, was it actually like an arcade conversion? It is the notes read that it was an arcade first, yeah, and it was converted to quite a few platforms, including the NES, apparently. So, all right. Well, I think that the Amiga version of that they did a, a pretty good job, much like mm. Ivan Stewart's. Yeah, it looks very colourful. Mm. Oh, okay. No, yeah, I okay. I've just had a quick look up because you know cheating's fun, and yeah, I do. I do <laughs> remember that. Never played it, but I do remember it because yeah, it's that again the Ivan Stewart style. I uh, wonder if it's actually made by. Could uh, be. Yeah, no, it is. It's made by the same guys that did um, Ivan Stewart's. Well, there you go. So they, um, yeah, they really knew their stuff with with, with <laughs> top town races. That's for sure. But, um, ah, yeah, well, that's um, yeah, that's a that's interesting one. I mean, that's probably mentioned. Actually, just something you just made me think of was, I mean. You know, so far, we've probably, apart from that, with obviously Tony and myself not never heard, or ne- not remembering it straight away. Um, any is there any sort of like I suppose the, the hidden gems or the the sort of titles that don't always come up in top ten lists like Stunt Car Racer and Test Drive that you boys have ever come across? Um, I I don't think I'm going to have anything 
that is a hidden gem um, to talk about tonight because most of the the races that I used to play were all pretty much the the common stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and, and I mean, I mean, mine's not really hidden gem either. I mean, the, the only thing I could really say is that, and and it is mentioned on a lot of arcade lists anyway, is um, something like Buggy Boy. Mm. Mm. But see, I, I argue that the C sixty four version was still better. I, I would second that, but the Amiga one's still fun. Doesn't, yeah, it doesn't do a bad job of being fun. Yeah. No, no, no. No, this is true. It's still Buggy Boy, and Buggy Boy is good no matter where it is. Um, one thing that's it's not so much a hidden gem, but it's actually a game I used to play specifically just to play through this level, was Batman the Movie. Oh, yes. With the, um, oh, yes. With the um, second... Uh, the second stage uh, with the with the driving thing. So mm-hmm. uh, for anyone that's not familiar with it, you, you're basically getting around uh, the city with um, in the Batmobile, and you actually have uh, a bat cable that actually you need to sort of chuck out the side of the car to get around corners. Uh, oh, while, yeah, yes. I remember that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> while you're escaping from the Joker, yep. and and it had this really cool kind of um, sort of music, uh, sort of rocky, so sort of not rocky, oh. sorry, rock music as you're sort of going, <laughs> and oh, it just really set the the scene really well with the kind of like dark city, um, yep. and sort of you know the city dark cityscape in the background, and it was very yep. arcade like, and I would have loved like a fully fledged game based on it. Um, so even we, though it was sort of fairly basic, yeah. um, it just the presentation was just spot on and it was great fun. Yeah, funny you say that. We actually did get that uh, a few years ago in the arcade. There's a um, Batman racing game that is, oh, right. is, is what I saw it. It is literally the um, driving levels from the Amiga, obviously much prettier <laughs> but seriously yeah. like it's it is that just you just jog my memory actually um mm. but that was see that was a funny one because that batman the movie and we're talking tim burton batman of course um yeah mm. arguably one of the the better early batman um but yeah the funny thing was like the 8-bit versions didn't have that level we we all got uh side scrolling no, racing which yeah which um you know when your friends that had had amigas and sts and that could show off that level and it was like mm. i I wow, I I can't even. Um, so yeah, that was was a good example, sort of you know using that sixteen bit power to actually get do stuff that you couldn't do real you couldn't do easily. I think it would be yeah, it probably could have done it, but you know something, nah. I got used to the levels on the C sixty four, even though they were horrifically difficult. Um, it was fun. It was still fun on the sixty four. Oh god, yes. Um, but it was like leagues away in terms mm. of um, sort of. That level in particular. Well factor. Well oh, factor. That, that yeah. level in particular. But um, mm. at, um yeah, well, well I wanna there's a couple I want to actually bring up because in my mm. digging I was sort of looking around at just things I'd never really heard of and um one one of them was a F one game called Vroom, which again, mm. listeners, if you have heard of I mean it was an Ubisoft game from sort of the early nineties. If you have heard of it and I've just had my head in the, the sand, I apologize. But it was a really cool F one racing game that apart from I mean being yeah, an F one game with a ton of tracks and that it was three D, but it ran sorry, not ran, it does run really quick. 
Um, yeah, what yeah. we're talking about before with like test drive and stuff like that. Like, I was playing this for a good probably 15, 20 minutes the other day, and I found that yeah, it was highly playable, like super quick. Um, again, compared to the other titles, uh, it does have an interesting mouse control. I wasn't a massive fan. I turned it off. It went back to the joystick, but it sort of allowed you to sort of slide slide the mouse forward and back to accelerate and decelerate and steer mm. using that, which is, is a kind of cool concept, um, which my, my second game, I think, does, does a better job of. But, yeah, I actually thought it was, this, though, was, was really nice, and especially other things like it had tunnel effects, so, like, bits where you go under the, um, the towers on the track, like, you'd actually get a shadow come over the car, or if you go through a tunnel, you'd actually get like a shadowing effect, which is, you know, it's it's a small thing, but it was just it adds to yeah, added to the game. And if I'm I'm definitely a fan of those little little extra effects, especially when you go through tunnels and it like muffles the sound as well. I yeah. know a lot of games do that, but I just find it a nice a nice little extra effect. But yeah, when you've got some good shadows um, in there as well, um, mm. yeah, that's that's really it's a little good. touch. It's a little touch. I mean, if you yeah. boys ever played Vroom. No, um, I, I have, and also, did you realise that F1 World Championship Edition is basically using the Vroom engine? Oh, really? Mm. Wow. There you go. There you go. Today I learned. Mm. I never played Vroom back in the day, um, but I did, um, on, on your recommendation, have a bit of a bit of a go at it, and yeah, it, it's it's good. It, it moves at a cracking pace. Mm. Um, and I think that, um, it's, there's not really any pop-up as well. Mm. No. Uh, it, it really does a really good job for, for something, um, uh, of that age. Um, uh, they really managed to, to, to pull off something really good here. Yeah, yeah no, no, absolutely. It, it seems to have a very solid engine, so. Mm. Mm. That's, yeah, um... Nice backgrounds on the different tracks as well. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd argue, as much as I hate to say it, uh, or maybe controversial, like it, it, I find like it was far more enjoyable to play than say like Stunt Car Racer, purely because just the frame rate. Um, yeah, mm. I mean, I, that said, Stunt Car Racer TNT or my uh, my six hundred with the Furia accelerator, it's a little bit of a different story. It, it's really <laughs> nice, but I mean, that's kind of cheating. Uh, yeah, look. We can talk more about Stunt Car Racer a little bit later. In a second, after sort of talk about this. But yeah. my my motivations for what really did it for Stunt Car Racer in terms of enjoyment for me for uh, are a bit different from from those things you're sort of talking about mm. detracting from it. But I mean, obviously, I'm coming back to this sort of stuff as a person who never really played these when they came out, and they include Stunt Car Racer. I mm. I honestly I've seen saw pictures of it, but I never played it in the day. Um, before we go there, the other hidden gem that I came across, which I, I have I have absolutely never heard of before, was a um, motorbike racing game called No Second Prize. Um, mm. Now, it was from a company called Thalion, and I probably mangled mm. that, but whatever. Um, came out in 92. It's, it's a motorbike racing game. It has something like 20 English tracks, um, some real, some fictional, um, but... The biggest thing I found with this is it is possibly the fastest um, like frames per second like game I've ever played on the Amiga. Like it, it honestly feels like a if they had have slapped um, 
the Tron engine over the top of it, it would have been a cracking uh, light cycle game. Um, mm, but it's yeah. it's basically a a motorbike racing sim. Um, you have you can play it as an arcade game. Like, you know, plenty of tracks. Um, there's plenty of stuff people you can race against. It has a really cool um, mechanic damage mechanics. So you know, if you crash, your bike cops damage, but depending on what you do, your rider can also wear out. So you can get situations where, you know, you can write yourself out of the race if you're not careful. But what sold it for me uh, was the fact that it uses the mouse to play. Um, mm. And un- unlike Vroom, where the mouse controls are a little bit janky, this is perfect. Um, mm. You know, it's right button accelerate and the leaning into corners, like, it just feels really natural because it's quick. Uh, mm. It was also something as well. There's no pop, like, it's no, early it's early three it's early three D. So, you know, it's very much flat shaded um polys and stuff, but it, it looks great. And like as I said, I spent ages on it the other night as well just because of just how much fun it is. Mm-hmm. Um it drew, yeah, drew you yeah. in. Yeah. Has replays as well, which is really cool, sort of and that's on the fly. You can sort of it pauses and yeah, it lets you replay from a specific point to where you're at and like it's it's one that if you like racing stuff, it's well worth going to check out. Yeah. Um, so I never played No Second Prize uh, back in the day, but I do remember the seeing advertisements um, for it in magazines and, you know, the box art. Now, it's got a, a guy doing a no-handed wheelie on a motorbike. How is it? How do you do that? <laughs> um, that's possibly along the lines of, like, the uh, 4D... 4D racing box where you've got robots shooting lasers with their eyes while flying through the air on a car that's not even in the game. Um, <laughs> I think it's best summed up with is 90s box art was amazing. <laughs> De- yeah. Most definitely was, yes. But um, again, um, what gets me with no second prize on the Amiga is, so I'm really impressed. Like I, I, I was aware of the game but just never played it until, <laughs> until now, criminally. Um but on a on an A five hundred, how fast it is! Just mm. you know, with it's so quick and so yep. smooth. And I really, really wish I'd played it back in the day because back then um, I would have spent a lot of time on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And oh wow! And like I said, though, <laughs> no, no. and I suppose that just shows you know you're five or six years into the system's life and. You know, the programmers are really getting a handle on the hardware. So, mm. yeah, well, that's yeah. it. And the fact, but the fact that, you know, I mean, obviously, as I said I'm playing this on a, an accelerated 600, but the fact that it runs like that on an unaccelerated 500, yeah, that's that, that's impressive. Like, that's to me is the sort of thing where you look and go, this, this is to show, you know, what a system can do. It's not flashy graphics, mm. but it's bloody quick um, and plays. Oh, yeah. Like I said, slap a, slap a Tron license over the top of it and it would have been an amazing light cycle game. Well, the thing as well is like the way it moves, like there, there's other quick, smooth games on the Amiga which are really mm-hmm. good. So, But this really, like it, it is honestly white knuckle going around the corner at speed. Like yep. seri- it's seriously impressive. And when we talk about little extra little bits there's like a helicopter that flies overhead you probably saw that occasionally yes. and that, that looks really great um it's just, just a little little extra touch but it really just gives it that bit of flair that sort of puts it puts it above um puts it above the rest 
Mm, no, definitely. So I think what we're trying to say here is definitely go check it out. Uh, oh, because it's, sure. it's it's if you've got an Amiga or even an emulator, it's worth having a have a play and just to see you know what you know mm. what good motorbike racing games are like. I think uh, it's a game that um, has aged really well. So yeah. yes, when you compare it to new stuff these days, the graphics are a bit you know sort of mm-hmm. basic for 3D stuff. But I really think that the gameplay just has not aged at all. I think it's still as relevant now as a racing game as it was back then. Uh, absolutely. So, um, well, look, we might as well tackle the, yeah, the, the big one. I mean, we touched on Stunt Car Racer just before, but, I mean, that, that, that's, I think, when a lot of people, you mention racing games on the Amiga and the ST as well because, you know, system link, null modem fun. Um, but, yeah, Stunt Car Racer is probably one of the few that almost always comes up no matter who you talk to, isn't it? It's mm. just yeah, such a... Right synonymous you know this was a cool thing where you're racing on roller coaster tracks and jumping and doing stuff mm. like it was just that next level thing i can remember um stunt car racer vividly and i was completely and utterly addicted to the game same, um, same and play, and play, uh, played it and nothing else for ages <laughs> um trying to master some of those harder tracks and um how, and- how far did you get through it I, I do believe I I got to like the second last course. Yeah, I think I think I got to the second last course as well because you actually could get through to the like you could get through the first four tracks and then, then there was another four. Um, and I was just trying to think was was the or, that, that second last one where you've got where you do actually have like a corkscrew, um, and then you've got to jump straight after yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Um, and it was getting that over that it's still having the right amount of speed to get over that jump uh, and and the right alignment so yeah that's right that's right um I, I remember when before i played it i saw it in magazines and i read like good reviews for it and i thought well it looks fairly basic these screenshots what's so good about it and then when you load it up and i don't know it just it just feels right. Yeah, it was um, just it was it yeah. was just so fun, basically. So. Mm, that's oh. right. And look, like you said, I mean, the fact that it was one of the few games back then that supported null modem, you know, link with another another Amiga or or ST, because you know that was always a, a fun one to do, and it, it's a fun one these days to show off at parties. <laughs> um, but I, I got to say though, back then, I don't think it would have been a feature that would have been used very often because first of all you had to like know well i can't speak for everyone here but like nobody had like two computers at home um unless it was like a 64 and amiga and or something like that so um, Mm. or you just had like one tv or monitor that you could use with with a computer so the actual logistics of 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 linking these things up um, was way more difficult now where, you know, collectors such as ourselves, you know, yeah. have rooms full of this gear. Yeah, I think... And also the 16-bit machines were a bit larger than the previous generation. It was a lot harder to pick one up and take it around to your friend's place and, True, also, yeah. have, and also have the right screen and mm. on all that paraphernalia to actually hook oh. up a multiplayer game. Yeah, I mind you though. I think look, that that that's probably an Australian thing. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of our, our European listeners that would probably disagree. That I mean, but again, 
big party, you know, big get-togethers, this sort of stuff was, was, I think, a lot more common in that part of the world for the Amiga and stuff than it was here. So, mm. eh, I think it's just it really just depends where you, where you grew up and where you sort of hailed from. But um, I think that unless you're into that sort of scene or perhaps you were maybe involved in a computer club of sorts, yep. if it was just you and you had a couple of mates that maybe were into it, um, the, there was a, probably a strong likelihood you, you never <laughs> never actually tried anything like this, like the like the link up. No, true. Um, which is a shame because obviously the the other the other one we'll mention though is, um, yeah, I think everyone's other favourite arcade racing game that supports multiplayer, which was the Lotus series. Um, especially Lotus Three, I think, was being the, probably the main one there that supported you know split screen as well as system link multiplayer. Um, and I know we've we've definitely had that going a couple of times, right? Now you've got me here. Was it? I thought it was only two that had the link up. Was it? Oh, was it two? I thought it was three. Ah. No, it's two. Wow, awkward. I'm I'm going to hand in my Amiga card then. Um. Well, I, I bloody hope I'm right, <laughs> or else I'm going to look like a right idiot. Hey, listeners, if we're, if we're if, let us know which one's right, and you know, hit us up on Twitter or Facebook and let us know. Um. <laughs> and if they're both wrong, that means Tony won because he didn't say anything. <laughs> well, I can say with great certainty that it definitely wasn't the first Lotus. <laughs> no, and it definitely wasn't Crazy Cars One. <laughs> no. Oh. no. Um, but yeah, no, like that. But that's the thing, though. Like that was, and that wasn't there. Those Lotus games, and I look in the Jag XJ um, game as well. Like they were really good outrun style, you know, behind the car racing games. Mm. Yeah, look, I think Lotus Turbo Challenge 2 wins for me when you compare it to like the similar games like Jaguar um, XJ220. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that for me, like Magnetic Fields games, and I'm in, including the Supercars um, games in this as well, it's mm-hmm. like they they kind of seen a cut above when you talk about like slick presentation great music and you know great music um you know great intro screens um you know very kind of slick crisp gameplay um they just really were pretty dialed in Mm -hmm. no look they they definitely were the uh i mean all again which comes back to what yeah what you were talking about before with um the the fact you know you these were these were cars that you only read about or you saw on like Mm. you know whatever show that was happening to have, you know, wow, that's a Lotus this, or that's a Ferrari F40. Um, yeah. So like seeing them rent rendered in what for the time was very detailed, you know, realistic looking stuff like, yeah, that was, it was cool. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm, I'm racing this car and yeah, sure. I'm jumping, you know, I'm using a log to jump through the air and, you know, and all this other <laughs> stuff. Three. But, yeah. It's like, eh, who cares? It's fun. Yeah. The, the thing I also like about the Lotus games, and this is more so for the second one um, and even more so for the third one, is that they were very arcade-like in feel, but at the same time they were also very forgiving in terms of when you ran into things, it didn't slow you down to the point where 
um, it really felt like a chore to get back up to speed again. You kind of like bounced off obstacles, um, which for you know purists looking for a more of a simulator feel, yep, you know that that's that's wouldn't work. Uh, but mm-hmm. for 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 the fun factor, um, that was that was great. Mm. Yep, no, they're definitely uh, a fun series of games. Those ones, so. Mm. Yeah, look the yeah, which and then considering that you know the. I mean, I've mentioned a couple of times, but, you know, like the likes of OutRun and Chase HQ sort of, which were very much, I think, you know, some of the bigger titles in the arcade at that era, you know, mm. of, hey, this is racing game stuff that the ports of those were dire. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they, they tried to make them look pretty and sound nice, but they just played like garbage. Yeah, I just wonder... <sighs> how much of that was sort of down to like unrealistic deadlines and resource um, resources available to the developers. Um, I mean, if you kind of had as much time as you needed to make these games, Hmm. not not, not saying that Lotus was uh, series was made without any kind of time constraints and pressures, but um, yeah, I just feel like it was sort of some of the publishers... Or software houses thought this game will sell on name alone. We don't. We just mm-hmm. need to make something that Duck barely plays, and we'll still come out with buckets of cash. Or, or rather, that they've got a license agreed to a yeah ET style release window, and have yeah. managed to smash. Have some poor buggers had to smash out a thing that resembles it yeah. in like two two or three months or whatever it is. And yeah, um, yeah. and, right. and Which, I think a lot, a lot of those license ports suffered greatly from that. Yeah, yeah, not always. I mean, there, there were definitely no. some some good home ports. I know the the port of um, Super Hang On, if memory serves, oh, yeah. plays mm. really really well. Yeah. Um, yes. And it supports, from memory, the mouse as well. Which again, something about motorbike games and using the mouse that. It just mm. makes sense. Um, but, yeah, so they didn't always suck, but I think this is one of the things where the Amiga just stood head and shoulders was when we got the original titles that weren't arcade ports, that that's, that's where you know, people could just run right, take their time and get it right. Um, although, in OutRun's case, we did eventually get a arcade perfect or actual arcade version of the game on the Amiga many years later. Um, in fact, the last 12 months or so, I think it was the, the Cannibal Project from memory, if, um, which you know, requires you to have a, an Amiga with a Vampire Accelerator, so it's not really technically an Amiga. <laughs> um, but again, that, that's a debate for a totally different time. Um, but, but that aside, like, it, it was a literal arcade version. It was they, From what I understand, it was the arcade engine running on the Amiga with help of the Amiga. Yeah, so it looks and plays exactly like Outrun. It just, yeah, needs this ridiculously expensive unobtainium thing that is, you know, yeah. <sighs> even my Look, poor my poor little Furia won't handle it. Um, <laughs> I I would um, I would, whilst I'm a big fan of good arcade conversions or great arcade conversions, I always feel that no matter how good. Outrun is on the Amiga. I think it, it just sits better on on other consoles such as yeah. Saturn. Yeah. Yeah. Or or the um, coast to coast games on the Xbox that they just. Oh, how good are they? Mm. Mm. Speaking that of is, System Link, now the play play right. Yes. Uh, nice. Outrun two, Xbox. Oh. There's there's a reason I there's a reason I own two copies of it for um because yeah System mm. Link. 
Um, but anyway, getting off track. Um, <laughs> but look, guys, look, I mean, that's probably, I mean, we've covered off a, a fair few there. I mean, you know, there's you know, stunt car races, Lotus games, a couple of the, the unknown stuff, some of the trash, some of the top downs. I mean, are there any others that we've, we might have missed or things? I mean, because we're never going to cover all, you know, the, the hundreds no. of them that came out. Um, I just want to give an honourable mention, yeah. which is a fantastic game. I just want to mention Crazy Cars 3, also oh, yes. known as Lamborghini American Challenge. Mm-hmm. So that that game is pretty much Crazy Cars by name only because it's nothing like the drivel that was Crazy Cars and Crazy Cars 2. Um, so it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, you're racing um, uh, all the way across America. Uh, against your typical Amiga characters, um, like your, you know, your ninjas and your, um, oh God, what's his name? Some look alike, Clint Eastwood look alike, or, or whatever. Um, it, it's quite arcadish in gameplay, and the good thing is you you actually have um, like bets against mm-hmm. particular races, so you, you kind of like gambling <laughs> your way along as well. So the idea is you need to finish in front of your rival to. Um, uh, to sort of collect more money, which you can use to improve your car, um, mm-hmm. you know, tyres, engine, so forth. And it actually gets to the point where you can actually buy a um, a brand new car as well. Um, that's yep. that's even faster. Yeah, it's um. I actually do say I did. That was one I did play, and um, they. I think they must have cottoned on that people didn't really want trash, uh, like that. You know, crazy because I think crazy cars in itself wasn't a terrible racing game it was just very bare bones like it was, it was pretty average I think it was, it was an early it was a what late 80s release so in other words it was early in the system's lifespan um mm. i i look I, i'd actually reckon that compared to crazy cars 2 the original is the better game but that's like saying you know it's here's some very very bare bones you know it loads straight into levels there's very little presentation yeah, mm. it's just a driving game that you're in a, you know, the cars they give you and yeah. Um, whereas three, they they definitely sorted themselves out and got it got it right. But um, yeah, the original yeah. is not entirely terrible in itself for what it is and how it runs. So and for and for when it came out, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But, it, um, it it hasn't aged very well though. The no, first one. no. Well, a lot no. of a lot of early Amiga stuff doesn't. No. No, no. Uh, so. um, just a, a couple of other things with Crazy Cars 3. I, I really like it. It's got a lot of nice varied levels. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is a game that you, has a lot of a variety across the different levels. And sometimes the actual cops are after you and it kind of feels like a reverse Chase HQ as you're trying to get away from them. Oh, really? Mm. Okay. Yeah, well, again, I've... I haven't spent a lot of time with with number three. I, I was always the Lotus boy more than anything was my well, my, my jam. There's a couple of things. So just a story about games like this. So um, I actually did play it a bit back in the day, but I didn't play it as much as my brother, who was nine years younger than me. Now, the reason why that's important is because when we were growing up, um, I was... Um, say eighteen years old, and it just you know discovered alcohol and um, all all that sort of fun stuff. And I actually had a <laughs> it used to be in the same room as my younger brother, who was mm-hmm. um, 
like we're actually in, in a bunk, right? Um, so we had the uh, Amiga in, in the bedroom. So mm-hmm. I would actually go out drinking and then, you know, obviously be sleeping off the next day while my brother was playing games, like, you know, all day while I'm hungover. Yeah. And um, just, just trying to survive. And a, a game that he actually played all the way through to the end, not the only game, but one of the ones was um, was Crazy Cars 3. And um, so whilst I did play it a bit myself, he played it a lot more. And um, through my um, weary eyes, I mm-hmm. would actually <laughs> watch him from the, from the uh, comfort of, of bed trying to get rid of my headache. Ha, <laughs> ha. Uh... Younger siblings. I never had that problem. I was the only gamer in our house, so. <laughs> yeah, same ah, nice. for me. Only gamer. <laughs> well, you might as well start wrapping it up there. But before we do, we, we thought we'd um, ask our listeners pretty much the same question of, yeah, what was their favourite Amiga racing game? So over on Twitter, I had, I had a few few people. So Jari Hayska, I'm Apologies for brutally mauling your name. Um, he said it would be Slip and Slide, an isometric four-player racer. Um, Ooh, never heard of that. Oh, that sounds I, interesting. Yeah, I've, I must say I've <laughs> never heard of it either. Um, it's one I, I, I couldn't actually find, so I'm not sure whether it was a maybe known by a different title here. It's um, definitely one I'm going to go and have a look for. Um, Rob Udley sort of said he always had a soft spot for supercars, um, but we yeah, definitely... Nice. But again, we definitely did mean driving games like that. Um, but he also mm. did agree with you, Tony. He said, yeah, you can never go wrong with the Magnetic Fields Lotus games. It was an absolute gem. Mm-hmm. Um, so Howard Nibs sort of said it was officially shite, but I had a soft spot for Millennium's Moonshine Races. Lots of character. Oh, uh, uh, actually, yeah, I, I actually do remember that one. <laughs> yeah, was... same here. Um, I actually remembered reading about it in a magazine. I think they may have even had like a making of it before it was released. I think, and I thought, oh, I'm looking forward to this. And yeah, despite I, <laughs> despite having a kind of a fun story behind it, I just couldn't get over the the shiteness of it. Mm. So, um... <laughs> and funny story is, is I actually have a real copy of that one. Um, they got sent to me all the way from the Netherlands by somebody. So, <laughs> well, we might, might have, have to. Bu- was it just hiding some some other stuff that you would get from Amsterdam, perhaps in the box? <laughs> uh, well, there were some other stuff in the box, but it wasn't what you're thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know something? I'm no, I'm not even going there. Um, moving on. Um, so, oh, where are we? Uh, so, Cameron Bond and hi, Cameron, if you're listening. Um. He comes say, yeah, stunt car racer, uh, Nitro, mm. because of the co-op, uh, Lotus, mm. Iron Man, Motor Murder. Mm. Um, oh, never heard of that. Motor Murder, no. But he, he, does go on, he does go on to say, okay, that might have been an Amos game that I made. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, but actually, Howard Nibs also backs up to throw in that, yeah, Buggy Boy was also cool. Uh, and yeah. James Timbrell said, yeah, stunt car racer or supercars too. Um, with a following from David Eaton to say Hover Sprint, which is not one I know. Don't know that. No, not familiar. And lastly, Nathan said, my favourite Amiga racing game was Indianapolis 500. You had to have serious concentration with that 
Or was it more racing sim? There were so many good racing games on the Amiga. Turbo Tracks, Lotus 2, and of course, Skid Marks 2. Mm, nice. nice. So, there's yeah, some good, good ones there. But that's it for Twitter. Um, Damien, what do we have on Facebook? Yeah, so just a, a, a few on Facebook. So, Dazza, Dazborg, um, Lotus Turbo Challenge. So, yeah, look, there's there's no no doubt about it. There's always will be love for the Lotus games. Mm. So, always yeah. a favourite there. One of the first um, that comes to mind, really. So Yeah, absolutely. Um, John Proventure. Um, if I had to choose only one, it would have to be Stunt Car Racer, unique at the time and still highly enjoyable. And yeah, I agree with that. And just one little snippet of memory I'd like to give here. There is nothing better that when you're like neck and neck with the computer opponent and you like need to win the race to actually get enough points to go and get through to the next like round of the championships and so forth. There's nothing better than when you time your jump just right, but at the same time you're flying through the air with the opponent sort of who ends up sort of underneath you, but because you end up with your nose in front of you, kind of land on top of them and sort of smash them off the track. Being able to pull that off in stunt car racer is just just the best. Yeah, and it was just that that one more go thing about it as well. You know, yeah, you just just, that's to, right. just to be able to get that little bit further in front, or mm-hmm. or, or or make yeah. that make that jump, or whatever. It yeah. was just just made yep. you keep coming back to it. And and the emotion, because you you could literally be catching up with seconds to spare, and if you didn't quite make it, you'd think, ah, oh, next time. And then mm. you'd, you'd play through it all again. But then when you actually managed to just, you were behind, but somehow you managed to get around that last corner just a little bit quickly, and it seems like you just got their no, your nose millimetres in front of them, and then you ended up winning. Ah, that was the best. Mm, that, yeah, that was a good game. Yeah. Um, and, and lastly, we've got Wayne Pennington here. Um, I loved Test Drive. So I, I think I'm in love with the memory of Test Drive more than um, actually Test Drive itself. Yep, no, I'm I am with you on that. And playing it again the other day, I I definitely think that that's a it holds up, but it's just not quite yeah. the same. It was uh, definitely uh, definitely a game that got talked around in the schoolyard a lot, though. Yeah, um, simply because like we were sort of talking about before, because of the 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 really sort of good presentation for the time and the fact that it's like basically dream cars that that you got to to drive in yes and that was the, that was the thing you know it was the big um bright game that was the technological marvel that everybody was talking mm-hmm. about at the time yeah, that's right yeah yeah, yeah. um Although I'm surprised, no no one brought up the um the absolute shite that was race driving and hard driving. Because oh. <laughs> they were yeah. terrible, they were terrible arcade games that had no business being ported to home systems because I'll they were even what, worse. When <laughs> I used to work um, at the bowling alley, when they had arcade arcade games in there, race driving used to get probably the most money in it. Not race driving, hard driving. Mm-hmm. Got and. But the thing is, people would get there and they would like basically die, or you know, that you could see their window, the, yep. the um, screen, the, the window smash, you know, around the first corner, 
it was just a hopeless game. But the fact that it was kind of like 3D and like in a cockpit, people yep. were like, ooh, you know, this looks great. But yeah, it, it was the worst. You know the best, <laughs> you, you know the best usage for um, hard driving arcade cockpits is to turn them into Star Wars arcade cockpits. Well, yes, that's a, that's a much better game. That's no. a much um, better game. But, but I'm just thinking about the the work you'd have to, to go through to actually pull that off. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, something. Um, but but anyway, but no, actually, it's just surprising though because the um the one that I thought we might have got a few people bring up was um stunts or what was released as here was 4D sports driving, because that was mm. a far far better version of hard driving. Um, because you had a track editor, it ran quick. It still and it still runs quick. Although to me, I played it on the PC ad nausea because it was amazing in DOS. But um, oh, I've never never played it. But am I correct in saying it's still got a pretty big following? Oh yeah, stunts yeah. was a was a thing and still is a thing. Um, probably not as big, but yeah, it's it is an amazing game. It's the uh, the track people like make a lot of track steel. Is yep. that right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think they obviously did a good job of getting a good editor out there uh, mm. for it to yeah still be um, very popular today. But um, but anyway, but yeah, uh, but that's that, that, that's it for there. So we might as well wrap, wrap it up on that note. Um, so before we get up, any any shout outs, lads, Damien? Oh, look, shout out to um, Oz Retro Gamer. Always love um, all your posts um, on Facebook. One day I'll get the Twitters. Um, and shout-outs to um, Daz and Tagster uh, for the Arcade Perfect podcast. Look, you've, you've already um, shown that you'll have, like, you know, um, D-grade podcasters on the show because you've had Aaron on there. Hey. So if, you, if you're listening, um, when, when you've run out of celebrities to have on your show, you know, hit, hit me up. <laughs> <laughs> I thought a bit of begging. I'll uh, I'll have to I'll have to, I'll have to have a word in his ear. <laughs> Degrade my ass. Um, all right, so you're done. Um, Tony. <laughs> no, 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 no. Any, anyone else, Damien? Uh, uh, no, not no. That that's it for now. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll I'll give a shout out to actually another local, uh, Brendan. Um, um, he's been uh, doing a bit of uh, experiments with um. Arcade bits and pieces, uh, but also we did a, a really good laser disc swap the other day too. So, um, ooh, ooh laser disc. Yes, yeah, so, I mean I'm not actively collecting them, but it's always you know it's nice to add a title occasionally. So, oh, cool. I might have a few here. You can have. Remind me sometime. <laughs> you like Nicholas Cage, right? Oh, cool. Okay, yeah, I don't have any of his. I don't think. What, what um, Nicholas Cage laser disc do you have? The Rock. Awesome. Yeah, that's a good one. I don't have a laser disc player anymore. I got I got rid of it because I can only collect so many things. And they do take yeah, up. I, I don't have a laser agree. disc player. It's it's a rabbit hole I don't want to go down. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Um anyone anyone else, Tony? Um I'll just give a um uh, I don't know, I'll probably, I think I've done him recently as well. I'll go for Lactobacillus Prime over in uh, the Netherlands, um, mm-hmm. a long-term YouTube friend of mine. Um, but he's been doing a lot with, um, you know, on the PC emulator type of front lately. So, Cool. Neat. So just from me quickly, it's just another shout-out to Keith from 
chibiakamas.com again for coming on last month. It was a yeah, great to catch up with you. And um, and I'm also, yeah, incredibly happy that yeah, he's donating the, the MSX2 my way. It's a mm-hmm. massive, massively huge gesture. So it's something I'm going to get make sure it gets good use out of. Um, again, just shout to Jared from Retro Revolutions in New Zealand. Um, I don't know if any of you have caught or seen the work he's been doing with the consoleized Atari Lynx that he's been working on um, for me. Uh, so is he's got a couple of videos up of it, of the work in progress. I'll have to share on the page, but um, it's looking pretty cool. Yeah, and it is. He's done a mammoth effort to, you know, get it to where it is already. So he's doing a good oh, job. Wow. Oh, oh yeah, it's it's very cool. Um, mm. uh, and, and and my biggest surprise watching the last episode, I did not realise there was an actual fluorescent tube inside yeah. of it. Oh yeah. yeah. A little <laughs> mini fluorescent tube. Same as the it same as the game gear. Yep, same as the game <laughs> gear. It's why they have such horrific battery life. Um <laughs> Cool. And look, just lastly, I just want to thank our listeners. As always, you guys are awesome and gals. Um, yeah, we love your support. We love the, the feedback and the commentary. So, yeah, please, please keep it up. We do it. Yeah, we do it because we love it. And the fact if other people enjoy it is is a bonus. So thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, so where to find us? Um, as always, you can get us on Twitter at pp. OT underscore podcast um, on Facebook, just to search for the press play on tape podcast or always you can find us on our website at ppot.audio. And so with that, that's, that's a wrap. So thank you, gentlemen. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. And we'll, we'll see you all next time.